1: And welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. That, by the way, is Singlish for To Hitch A Ride. Uh, something germane to the end of this race, as we'll see. Tompang, evidently derived from the Malay Tompang, which means to take shelter with. Uh, and thank you to our Singaporean patron, Wertie11, for the suggestion.
2: Thank you. Learning yeah. A
1: lot of Singlish over here. That's-
2: that's great. You should outsource these. You've been doing this for like eight years. I find, <laughs> you know, eventually you're going to run out of idioms. It's but uh, Singlish is a bountiful, a bountiful
1: language. It is. As a Creole, there's all kinds of stuff going on. Yeah. Uh, I'm just Scanlon. Joining me, Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny?
2: I'm just very excited because my dear friend Rob Zachney is back. Rob's here. Introduce Rob so back we can talk in, to Rob. Back Rob's in this here.
1: galaxy, Rob Zachney. How are you, Rob?
0: I am. I am thriving. And by the way, uh, Drew, before I left for uh, Disney, Drew gave me some very sage advice on how to dress as a Star Wars person, and that stood me in good stead. I went to uh, the Galaxy, the uh, Galactic Star Cruiser, with a wardrobe that would pass muster uh, for all Star Wars Scenes I managed wow. to do it where I concealed all fasteners, uh, mm. su- supports, laces. No, there was one shirt that had laces, but beyond that, no buttons, no fasteners. I, I felt
2: very in character. Did you? Are uh, are you allowed to dress up as Star Wars? I've seen people on like social media dressing up as Star Wars characters there, and I thought that they were against that at Disney. You, you okay, can't dress so up. They like don't the want characters. You, they
0: don't want it to be too good, right? Okay. So like the thing that Disney's really looking out for is like if you show up in a uh, like Disney World actor grade Mickey Mouse suit they can't have that they can't <laughs> okay. have you that sounds like fair. you're just Danny but you look identical to the Mickey that everyone's there to see and that's you're like just turning like up yeah I'll take like, a picture with your kids yeah Five that's not bucks,
2: okay kid. that's like you're turning kid. up at like an NFL game with like pads on and a helmet and everything it's just <laughs> right
1: yeah that's too much. But
0: no, the the, the Star Cruiser uh, they do encourage people to. But the thing is that what well, the thing they're not encouraging you to do is uh, dress up as a, like Han Solo or something. Like so, it's it's look as if you're an extra in Star Wars. Okay, don't look yeah. like you're a main character in Star Wars. You're
2: not Ray. Or so if I like painted myself green and I said I was like Yoda's like. Well, actually, I uh, would be fine <laughs> with like that. Yoda's Irish cousin, like a leprechaun <laughs> right. kind of. Are there leprechauns in Star Wars? Can I be like that? Like, Leprecha- Leprechaun 4. No, that was in the hood. Leprechaun 5, I think, was the one in space. Maybe I could be that guy. They'd be all right with that, probably, right?
0: Yeah. Probably. I mean, it's it's yeah. totally, like, you just explained that, like, Yoda like swamps, but you're more of a bog, Jedi Master. Yeah, more of a bog, exactly,
2: yeah. A yeah. peat bog. Can you dress up as, like, a square character and in Disneyland and sort of, like, you know... Oh, uh, you go, like, full... So they have Kingdom Hearts merch all over.
0: Oh, they do? Mm. So... You know, yeah, they do. So, like that—that—that—that fan was being serviced. So maybe you could. Maybe my keyblade will get you through security. No, they will confiscate anything that looks oh, okay. too weapon-like, and a keyblade might just like, uh, as Cicero said, like the blade itself <laughs> excites to violence. Like you, yes. you can't <laughs> let people have like replica keyblades because they but, might just they might just go buck wild.
2: And yet, lightsabers. Okay. Nope, they will take
0: those away too. Oh, really? Well, yeah, it's darker than they did. they were like, you can bring them out for photo ops, but don't be running around with lightsabers. Wow, you can have one clipped to your belt, but don't
2: put the blade in. Typical, typical, yeah. Liberal California not allowing you to open carry your lightsaber <laughs> in a theme park. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, yeah. well, call up Ron. I guess it's on his watch. Well, he's he's look. Ron is on the Disney
0: situation, from what <laughs> I gather. He is. Uh, He he is eager to make sure they never
2: release an anodyne statement about inclusion again. Yeah, well, that's what happens and they they wouldn't let him get married there. So, you know, he took it personally.
1: I have to uh, uh, shout out my colleague, Dan Amrick, whose uh, advice is what got passed to you, Rob. I am am no Star Wars fashion expert, uh, but I was... It
0: was was good advice. And I, I will pass on this secret. Wearing suspenders under a shirt hides buttons, belts, all this stuff. So you oh, yeah. you have a seamless, like, flow of clothes uh, without having any of the things that, suddenly enough, Star Wars characters just don't have that you fully yeah. expect them to. They use the force to keep their pants up. They don't use <laughs> zippers. It, no. it was very funny watching, like, every Star Wars piece of kit has, like... It, it has a zipper, but it will have a huge flap to, like, sort of cover it over, like a little ah. mini double-breasted situation, so that zipper tucks in laterally and there's no sign of it. Movie
2: well, magic.
1: Uh, if you're new to this Formula One podcast, <laughs> a very warm welcome <laughs> welcome to you. And if you're new to the sport itself, uh, we've got an episode just for you. Our preseason primer episode assumes no prior F1 or Star Wars knowledge. Uh, and explains how the sport <laughs> works and who everybody is. Uh, this year's primer is episode two sixteen. If you'd like to go back and listen to that, also this show would not be possible without our audience over at Patreon.com slash ShiftF1, where every month we release an ad-free version of the podcast along with bonus podcasts and videos exclusively for those patrons that cover racing documentaries and films, F1 video games, experiments with other racing series and a lot of weird things. So if you would like to support the show and get access to all that fun stuff, head over to patreon.com/shiftf1 or click the link in the show notes. What do we have going on this month, Danny? Uh,
2: speaking of other racing series, we have decided to dive into the world of Sale GP. Sale, what's your best sale? Do a sale. Sale! Sale! Okay, that's pretty that's pretty good. Okay, you guys are good. so GP.
0: I kind of can't do it without smoke, like pouring. Like I feel like the lights <laughs> yeah, need to like throat.
2: flash, and smoke needs to pour across the stage. Zero! <laughs> yeah. Um. What a hit! And of course, it did. It eventually inspire an an entire racing series uh, on boats, which came up as a was this an email a number of weeks it was. ago? I think it was last week. Um, yeah. Thank you very much to our emailer. Uh you have inspired us to check out Sail GP, uh, the season 3 finale we're going to watch. So if you go to Sail GP, Sail GP, of course is a uh is a boat. It's F1 on on water. It's boats. What are they? Catamarans, I don't know, about anything about boats. They're super we're fast We're about boats. to know, Danny. We are. We're going to know so much by the time we record this next week, I swear. Uh we're going to watch the final of season 3. Uh, which happened mm-hmm. four months ago in the San Francisco Bay, uh, which uh, separates myself and Drew right here. Um, so you can actually go watch this yourself if you so please. They are, it was over two days. There were 90-minute 90, ninety minute long races or videos. Uh, if you go to GPS YouTube channel and just go to the live tab, that's where they have all of the races and just scroll down to... I mean, we'll probably put a link to the actual specific yeah. one in the show notes today. Thanks, Drew. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, that's what we're going to talk about, the, uh, um, uh, the San Francisco leg, as it were.
1: Worth noting, um, also, uh, in Adrian Newey's autobiography, How to Build a Car, he mentions that really what he'd like to do, uh, you know how Murray Walker, like, really what he wanted to do was commentate on snooker? Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, Adrian Newey really just wants to build boats.
2: Oh, really? Yeah. That's his thing? Is it, he's a boatman?
1: Well, I think... No goddamn it, engines. It, <laughs> right that's why just pure yeah. dynamics hydrodynamics it's wild he would somehow design one going. of
0: these boats where it's like we're only going to have like a three inch contact patch between the boat and the water and the rest of it is yeah. going to be gliding
1: it's so weird like they're all just looking at the highlights they're all like flying around on hydrofoils it's just yeah i'm, I'm excited advanced. to learn just what is going it looks on like here. magic
2: it looks like when when somebody tries to show you their perpetual motion machine or something right. and you're like there's something going on here there's a magnet hidden in here somewhere it um, also
1: seems like i'm I'm curious to see what the broadcast is like what the what the sport is like to watch um a know. lot of
2: views on these live streams there's like hundreds of thousands of views on the yeah. i mean which you know that's not it's millions but like
0: this good. is me coming back to this a little bit because oh. I watched a few broadcasts of this a few years ago, and they're really, like, weirdly high-tech, too. Like, it's a really good broadcast. I just found the sport kind of inscrutable. Okay. It was, like, fantastic graphics package. And then I was like, but boats, though. And why are they flying?
2: <laughs>
1: Rob well, is well, that's, a Let's unscrew
2: yeah, we'll figure it out. I didn't know Zachney was a secret skipper among us the entire time. If, if you I had know, to pick p- one of us. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I bet he could sing a killer shanty as well. <laughs> I bet you've got, I bet you got that down. Rock
1: that, uh, the, the the hat with like pieces of rope on it. <laughs> exactly. You know?
2: um, if you would like to, the the, the hat with pieces of rope. I, for some reason, my brain went to one of those Australian uh, cork hats, which uh, I feel like I don't see those anymore. Have they been cancelled or something? What, is there, you ta- what you know those like the like the, like the like the like the the brimmed cap with like corks hanging down on strings? Am I imagining this? <laughs> Did I have a stroke. What's going on? No one? Nothing? Okay. Maybe this is I feel like this is like a Did crocodile even, dundee thing or something. This no? any, is this something they sell at like wineries? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Maybe it's something my wine addled brain made of. Uh, let us know. ShiftF1podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> um, and thank you to all of our incredible title sponsors Agave ATX, Cyphus Training, Turf SCS, at Team Blackjack, Michael Maves, Gordy's Army, Talking Auto, sorry, at Talking Autos, Olivia Evans, TelemetryDeck.com, FTST, Drew Stewart, Bailey Foot, Abdullah Althani, Jason Chadwick, Abraham Getchell, The Space Above Us, Bunny Fiend, Sniggs, Alex Couchet, Max Voltar, Circuit Demon, Troy Stammer, Umberto Roca, William Romph, Irvine Clinical Research, Lachlan the Madden Man, Jason Kelly, and M Squared Racing. Welcome, Ellie. Welcome, Ellie. Hope Ellie's here by now. I'm not quite sure when Ellie was coming, but uh, hopefully she's around to check out our awesome Sale GP podcast. Next week, over to you, Drew Scotland.
1: Thanks, Danny. Real, real good throw, speaking of broadcasts. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, yeah.
2: well, it's a whole new style we're, we're messing with here. We're all different reporters. I'm the
1: reporter on the patrons. I, I'll be quiet now for the rest
2: of the podcast. Everyone's very happy. <laughs>
1: um, so, all right, usually what I do is run down the grid, uh, starting with Max Verstappen and then everyone else who's behind him. <laughs> uh, this time, I'm going to go kind of by kind of by qualifying session like we used to do. Uh, Yuki Tsunoda will line up 15th. He got impeded by Verstappen in Q2. No penalty there. Yeah. Um, Valtteri Bottas, 16th. Oscar Piastri, 17th. Logan Sargent also got impeded by Max Verstappen during qualifying. No penalty there. Uh, Zhou Guan Yu in 19th and technically lining up 20th, uh, but does not start the race. Lance Stroll had a rough crash. Oh, boy.
2: Oh, man. I was watching this one. that was a shocker! Just an absolute yeah. tank slapper on turn. I think it's now turn eleven, the final turn, it's basically. Pl- yeah. Mm-hmm. He um, it's like a double apex turn. I think it's ten and eleven, and he he just lost it. He 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 cooked it a bit into ten, that and then curb. yeah, and just like like there's not much runoff there into that wall. Uh, he walked away thankfully. Uh, car was in tatters. Um, yeah. He obviously wasn't very happy about it from a qualifying perspective, but I think it just—it's one of those crashes like where you know, like, it, it, and I'm—I'm I'm not saying this to be overly dramatic or anything like that, but the makeup of this particular corner reminds me quite a bit of Tamburello, um, where Senna crashed. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like a super fast left hander, and there's just like a wall and there. The wall, yeah. yeah, yeah, and obviously it's not a concrete wall, but it, you're you're carrying a lot of speed into that, and I I think it's like. You know, and obviously Senna's actually, actually what happened to him was a relatively freak um, piece of assembly. Um, but I think it's really amazing that Stroll was like literally on the radio immediately, had the wherewithal to take his hands off. Did you notice that? Like, yeah. And then half a second. shut the
0: car down before it had stopped moving. Yeah. Like Stroll's racing form has been all over the map this year. But in terms of like instincts and reactions, like he is quite well trained and practice in the car like yeah the like trying to save it to the last last split second hand off the wheel and then if you watch that replay the second the impact has hit his hands are back on the wheel and he's putting the car back in like safe
2: mode it's pretty ridiculous it's crazy it's crazy how i wonder how like the not normalization of the crashes but I, i do wonder if like crashes for some of these drivers Cause he's had a couple of rough ones. He had a bad one in is it Monza or somewhere a couple of years back. I think he had a bad one at the exit of uh parabolic, actually not all that dissimilar to this in a way. Um, and I wonder if they are just a little bit, it's less crazy maybe, <laughs> you know, or like, do they drive half expecting to crash all the time? Because they're just like on the limit. You I know? don't know.
1: Cause he, you know, he went to the medical center and was cleared. Um, but the, the, team said that he uh they just decided that he's he's not gonna race uh i think it may have also been the fact that the car was yeah effectively totally it was almost torn in half not quite a grosjean situation but ripped a tire off and a lot of the uh left side pod i think it was um it did seem hard Uh, to
0: believe he wouldn't be a little concussed though you see his head whipping around in there like yeah it like yeah, well, you know, they haven't confirmed it anything. It, it, it seems like it may have just been a better safe than sorry call, especially given yeah. how how wrecked the wrecked the car was. But looking at the head motion and the impact, you you're looking at it, and it's football season, so I've got this you know in the back right. of my mind. But yeah. like, there's no way people wouldn't be putting their hands up, at seeing that replay, being like, you need to get that person off the pitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we need to we need to have a look at look at how they're doing uh but yeah i'm i'm glad he's okay uh also another really inauspicious outing for stroll you know a yeah. season that's been full of them
2: and and look it's like a, you know not just taking one uh race as 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 a, the total data set but we'll come to him in a second but also just alonso's position really shows you how the astons went from being this this powerhouse or, or seemingly really challenging at the top to just Slipping away like while everyone else got their developments in.
1: Well, could it be uh, their similarity to Red Bull that is costing them in Singapore? Because (laughs) check out this list from Q2 in 11th place, Max Verstappen. Mm. 12th, Pierre Gasly. 13th, Sergio Perez. This is the first time since Sochi 2018. that red bull did not have a car in q3 that's wild uh master stabbing also noted for stopping in the pit lane in uh in q1 uh some radio messages saying that you know or implying that there was maybe a problem with the car he was cleared of penalty sergio Perez spun the car at the end of q2 uh which is also the same place that verstappen had trouble with on his final q2 lap um so they they did not uh, proceed. Max set enough uh, a good enough time to go tenth fastest, um, and then one Liam Lawson, yeah, finished his lap. The this is his third Formula One race in the sister team's car, knocked Max Verstappen out of Q three. I also uh, should mention Alex Albon lined up fourteenth and uh, Yuki Tsunoda fifteenth. Uh, yeah, and Red Bull really didn't have an answer for what I, I think they'd kind of know more than they're letting on, of course. But um, Christian Horner kind of just attributed it to a setup problem. This is a quote yeah. from uh, F1.com quote uh i think that maybe our simulation before the weekend didn't lead us to the right conclusion and then you have to unravel your way out of that i think we just ended up in the wrong window that exposed some of the weaknesses that the car has which has actually been a useful lesson for next year because it gives us some very useful insight into some things that we can address in the rb20 but from practice the red bull was not looking good
2: no and they never dialed it in and in fact you could argue that it was worse at qualifying than any other parts. i think uh landon um was was uh was found la- was caught laughing at the onboard of Max Verstappen's car because he said he'd never seen a car behave that badly um and it, it's just it was funny coming up to the Singapore Grand Prix I was reminded of the fact that Max Verstappen has never won this race <laughs> and I was thinking oh yeah. another another uh um you know uh it's a bugbear for uh, them yeah like or like he'll he'll break this one as well another record to break rather oh yeah um. And uh, yeah, obviously not setting them up for a good one. When Lawson came in, I I was, that was quite cool because it, it looked like Max had just about squeaked in, but there was a lot of track evolution as well in Q2, which mm-hmm. may, meant it so that a lot of the late runners um, seemed to gain a 10th on everyone else, which was very interesting.
1: Yeah, but, really entertaining sessions um, from, yeah. from start to back. Q, Qs one through three and then the race. Um, really exciting to watch, but yes. Uh, With no Red Bulls in Q3, it was kind of up in the air about what the the front of the grid would look like, Uh, and it lined up like this, on pole position, Carlos Sainz Jr. in the Ferrari, seven hundredths faster than George Russell lining up second, then the other Ferrari of Charles Leclerc, Lando Norris fourth. Then the other Mercedes of Lewis Hamilton in fifth. In sixth place, the Haas of Kevin Magnussen.
2: Unbelievable! He was so happy when they crossed yeah. the crossed the line. Yeah.
1: Also, probably pretty happy to have outqualified his teammate. <laughs> yes. Um, which he's only done a handful of times so far oh, in the season. A rarity. Uh, seventh place is Fernando Alonso. Um, eighth place is Espan Ocon. Ninth place is where Nico Hulkenberg lines up, and Liam Lawson uh, rounds out the top ten wow crazy can already i already a mixed bag
2: the minute this thing qualifying ended and, and this is not me patting myself on the back but we had a conversation about this maybe five or six races into the season where we were hypothesizing about the you know the formula 1.5s of the world back when mercedes were dominant and there was the subreddits where they would basically pretend mercedes wasn't there and just do the season anyway and I was thinking about how, like, it is kind of a shame that Red Bull are so far ahead because it seems like there's this really interesting battle happening with everyone else. Yeah. And this was like the great, this was a great example of like, Red Bull took the weekend off and we got like, imagine <laughs> the if the season <laughs> had looked like this. Yeah. Imagine, imagine if you had this type of battling between like, At least three teams who could have won this race or qualified, or you know, it's it was amazing. Like qualifying was bananas. Nobody knew what was going to happen in the race, and then honestly, like Ferrari's kind of like weirdly dialed in strategy made this maybe less of a competition than it could have been. But it was it was so cool, and I I. I, I'm sorry to Red Bull fans. I'm not saying you shouldn't exist. Your team shouldn't exist. But right. it, it, it just shows you that when, once you have one team that sleeps ahead of everyone else, it does sap so much of the perceived racing out of it, which largely these, these same teams are racing this hard, but for just All lower positions. But yeah. it just it has an effect, right? It really does.
1: Yeah. Well, let's get to the race, Danny, where no one knows what's going to happen. Tell us what happens at the start.
2: What happens is they stick Charles Leclerc on a pair of softs because Ferrari are thinking track position here, Singapore, is, is pretty key. Yeah, we got to uh, jump George a little bit less so because they took out that one section. Rob, I'm not sure if you knew about that prior to the race the cuz we we only barely yeah, I only learned about just before the podcast that they had chopped out those four turns. Magnuson brought it up as well in his interviews. He was like it's a shame they don't have that section in there. It might be easier for me to hold people off cuz he was worried about basically being gobbled up and not getting any points for Haas. Yeah. Um for Shaldo, uh the 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 I guess the the plan was to try and jump russell in second um and try and uh stay with his teammate uh carlos had a great start so did leclerc russell didn't have an amazing one um leclerc was past him by the time they got into turn one uh that sort of caused george to seize up a little bit and you had lewis hamilton side by side with him uh on a racing line that was always going to disappear uh lewis basically put pedal to the metal and decided to jump the corner (laughs) He had to go around this bollard that they stuck down sort of like Barcelona on the right hand side. Full
1: Leroy Jenkins.
2: He did, yeah, exactly. Right around the uh the outside of that. He also got past Lando in this situation where He yeah. he kind of jumped him, but he ended up in front of Russell. Um over the next lap and a half or two laps. It took him a while to give him back give back the second place, but he did give George back his place and then eventually also um Conceded the one to Lando. They they Stewart said they'd noted it, so I think that was enough to sort of shake Mercedes's bush and ask them gingerly, uh, ask Hamilton rather gingerly to to give the position back. Um, so you basically had the two Ferraris in front, followed by uh, George Russell and and Lando Norris uh, behind him, and and uh, Hamilton behind him, and Alonso then, who you know I said I alluded to the fact that maybe they didn't have a great weekend. Obviously he qualified well, so. Uh, put him in a good position, um, at least at the start of the race.
1: Yeah, uh, Sergio Perez did some yellowing himself, crunching into Yuki Tsunoda uh, in, in yes. his race. Unfortunately, the pretty. first not, of not,
0: a lot of scruffy incidents yes. with Perez this race. Like oh, yeah. his in-car is
2: incredible. Oh, they did, well, we'll get to the worst one. Although the Tsunoda one was bad, it's but bad. the worst one, the worst one wasn't televised.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: That's how bad it was. <laughs> you know, the Albin one, the one where, <laughs> yeah, it get yeah, you. yeah. That one's that shocking. one shocking. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, lap 20, Sergeant having some issues with this tricky street circuit. Car just does not turn and he noses into the wall at uh, low speed, has to limp back to the pits with his front wing kind of stuck mm-hmm. under his car, spitting carbon fiber everywhere, which brings out the safety car right at a critical stage because this is right when the medium tires are getting toward the end of their usefulness most teams are on the medium tires except for red bull so we get a lot of double stacking here uh teams going onto the hard tires uh signs stop goes well but his teammate Leclerc right behind him is prevented from leaving his pit box yeah. by traffic so he ends up losing places to both Russell and Norris. I mean, that can happen when everyone wants to dive for the pits. Well,
0: Brundle also put it down to LeClaire was helping the team out a little bit more by slowing down even further on entry. Mm-hmm. And so he dropped himself into a more complicated traffic pattern than he would otherwise have been in. So, you know, if that, if that is what happened, uh, you know, on a few levels, he, t- he took one for the team. Uh, yeah, you know, ac- across this race, but that one did. It, it was a shame because he was uh, doing great work there in the tailgunner position, and he was kind of taken out of of the fight uh, for the latter part of this race. Like he was still out there, but he just wasn't. He wasn't in there for the podium duel.
1: Yeah. Um. So the Red Bulls opt not to stop because they are on those. Uh, that other strategy. It's a bad yeah. time for them. Yeah, it's it's I think Horner said after the race that was literally the worst time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Um. they instead opt to take the track position that that affords them. Verstappen was in eighth and Perez in 13th. But after the stops, it is Sainz in first, then Verstappen, then Russell, Perez in fourth, Norris, Leclerc in sixth, Hamilton seventh.
2: And and then we get to watch something which seems like a sort of a an inversion of the universe we live in, which is <laughs> two red bulls plummeting down the order, yes, it was very odd to see, even though you know, made. it it makes sense. but it just to my eyes, it was very, Ugh, this doesn't seem right at all. Cats and dogs talking to each other <laughs> right.
1: Uh, they, yeah, they they're on those old, old tires. They aren't hooked up for whatever reason on this track. Also, I should point out that, uh, Red Bull, at least, has said that their performance this weekend has nothing to do with the technical directive that we talked about last week with the flexible wings and flexible floors. Um, you know, that's them. Although David Croft also said that people at other teams that he talked to didn't think so either. So uh, I guess we'll see in Japan whether uh,
0: well, there's also, this trend continues. You know, one of the things... My understanding, is I don't fully... Circuits have fit like broader templates or profiles, and Singapore is kind of a weird one, yeah, that like you know teams sort of optimize like what sort of circuits are we going to be strong at, but Singapore, I think, by a few metrics, is a bit of an outlier, and so in in a weird way, I wonder, is this the place where like Red Bull have built a car that's dominant? at so many different versions of F1 tracks that there's something about Singapore where it doesn't yeah. really fit other templates it's not like Baku Baku uh, it's it's just kind of a different kettle of fish plus weather conditions are so different i wonder if that's a, the other big part of it is He's, like so much yeah, of how these cars function yeah. is how well they work in their tires and does the fact that like the air is heavy with humidity and it is hot as hell
2: does that it's, just it's like a, kind of destroy the Red Bull advantage? It's also a track that like pragmatically, if there is going to be a track to not be optimized for, this is probably a good shed because there literally has never not been a safety car here. And yeah. there's often like weirdnesses that happen. So if there's if there's always chaos happening here when it comes to um when you're supposed to pit, <laughs> then it's probably a good track to to, to have a, as your sort of B-tier track just in case because even the best strategy on a day could be thrown out the window if a crash happens at the
1: wrong time. Yeah, just to roll the dice. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, back back to Red Bull on the restart. It's on one of the straights. We cut to a helicopter shot that shows Russell passing Verstappen while Norris is passing Perez. Uh, and then Hamilton tries to squeeze by Perez too. Uh, he can't quite get it done, but the, yeah, right. Um, uh, to put it in Max Verstappen's language, shocking. Um, and they continue to plummet. Norris gets by Verstappen on lap 24 for third place. Hamilton gets by him for lap 20, uh, for, on lap 27 for fourth place. Uh, and then lap 37, we get a pretty great battle between the ailing Perez and seventh, followed by Alonso and Ocon, who both, smell blood in the water. Alonso swings around Perez. Perez gets him back soon after. But with that lost momentum, Ocon then pounces on Alonso and then squeezes up the inside. Really great move to take eighth place. Ocon looked so strong Mm. in this race.
2: Yeah. It's also worth mentioning that there's this sort of increased tempo throughout the race. Like the start of the race, there was a little bit of action, but largely the next 20 laps until the safety car were kind of fairly benign and then we started seeing some of this it there was like interesting tire stuff oh i wonder what's going to happen is there going to be another safety car and then it all it, it's almost bubbling by the time they get down to the last 10 laps and then the last three laps are just like completely insane so i found it a very interesting watching experience because at the start i was like oh okay it's a bit sleepy and then more it just it was almost like i had the pacing of like a movie where it just got more and more compelling and and really uh, sort of crested at the end it was cool
1: Yeah, part of that, I think, is down to Verstappen, you know, pitting from sixth to get off of those hard tires finally. Uh, He comes out in 15th and then Mm -hmm. begins, um, you know, that climb through the field that we see, you know, occasionally with front running teams um, being on different strategies. Um, Alas, though, for Ocon, lap 43, despite that stellar performance, he's got to pull over and retire which brings out the virtual safety car. And Mercedes then decides to spice things up a little bit (laughs) and pits both cars from second and fourth to go from hard to medium tires for the remaining 18 laps. So this seeds track position, um, but signs Norris, and Leclerc will now have a long way to go on their old hard tires to hold those two off. And if you've watched F1 for long enough, this is when your mouth starts to water.
2: Yeah, it's a very interesting situation because eighteen uh, softs weren't an option. It's it's too long, but eighteen feels good for mediums here. It feels like they're going to be singing for those like last eight laps, and the, it all just depends on how how much they can manage, how much signs can manage the hards, and and in a way, how like we end up like it ends up sort of becoming this weird like the enemy of my enemy is my friend situation where you have the two front running drivers signs and Norris who probably understand that if they fight each other tooth and nail, they're both going to lose out to the Mercedes. And the other interesting thing is that these two guys used to be teammates. So they probably have a sort of a connection, you know, they probably understand each other They're drift
1: compatible. They are
2: drift. Exactly. They're drift compatible. So it, it, yeah, it becomes this super interesting game of, of tire wear. And science has obviously done a great weekend here and last weekend too. And he seems to be good at this. He's kind of like Hamilton. He's like good at like keeping keeping energy in these things and, and you know, right until the end. So yeah, like you said, mouth-watering stuff.
1: Someone who doesn't have a great pit, pit stop is Alonzo, who had an issue with the jack. Goes from 6th oh, to bad. 17th and last.
0: What was it, like 26 second stop? He was terrible.
1: Yeah. He also, the, fir- the first pit stop couldn't slow down enough and had to go over the white pit in line back onto the track it and did. then the cut back into the pit, which is a definite no-no.
2: Yeah, dangerous stuff. Yeah. We killer. can
1: forget for, for that team.
2: It was a really terrible pit stop. I haven't seen a pit stop that bad in a while. Like, there was multiple things wrong. The jack in the front, the jack in the back, they had problems with the rear, the rear right. It was just a yeah. nasty one.
1: Uh, But lap 48, we are back to racing and Verstappen is in 11th and anxious for points, makes a great dive on Joe for 10th place and basically passes one car per lap for a while. And remember, I don't know what corner that was by number, but Perez tries something similar uh, without (laughs) maybe, I don't know, uh, the uh, the exact conditions to, to make it stick. A little later uh shout out though to liam lawson who while can't he can't really do much to defend from verstappen does at least make an attempt and he does so without jeopardizing either card uh i just thought this was a real mature drive for yeah. him not only is this his third everyone <laughs> race he has never driven at singapore before no <laughs> yeah. uh no yeah. junior formulas have you know <laughs> been here so
2: The interviews with him before this weekend were very interesting. He was like, yeah, I don't know. It seems fucked up. Like, I don't know (laughs) what this is going to be. What this is going to be like. I'll try my best. Um, There's a couple of, like, other things that are happening that we don't get much eyeballs on in real time. But at some stage, Haas decide to pit Magnussen. He ends up, like, putting in a pretty impressive stint on the hards. And then they swap him onto softs
1: for the end of the race. I don't have the the tire chart here in front of me. But he, I think. Oh, yeah. It's around. When uh, Mercedes pits. So he's got to do 19 laps on the softs.
2: Yeah. And he is in, I think, 15th. He comes out in, I think, is as low as he got ahead of Bottas. 14th, yeah. Oh, is he? Okay. Okay. Oh, and then Alonso pitted in front of him. So then he got ahead of Alonso. Okay. Yeah.
1: Um, and then Botas goes out. I don't remember this. Um, Lap 51. I, yeah. Did they pull him? I do remember this. Did he oh, retire? He, yeah. He, he pulled over. Uh, there was kind of a lot happening. I there was. I mean, was there time. was loads.
2: We didn't see Perez crash into Albon. Right. Because they were they were too busy to watching the front of the pack. There was loads okay. of bits we missed I do,
1: There were a number of like, oh, yellow flag. Oh, now it's green. And it was one. Well, yeah, it was, it was cars like Valtteri Bottas pulling off with a problem. And then we, didn't, we never got back to him. So um, but yeah, uh, Magnussen came out in 14th place on soft tires. Um, and then, yeah. Tore it up. We'll, we'll come back to that yeah um just a, sorry just a quick thing I do appreciate
0: how many convenient escape roads off the track service this track yes. appears to have where people were able to retire without bringing the race to a screeching halt and yeah boy is that a beautiful luxury uh, to to have people able to just stop their car safely and then the race isn't profoundly altered
2: <laughs> because someone had a mechanical failure. Even Ocon, right. who parked at the end, exit of the pit lane, which seemed, or pit lane exit, the exit at the end of the pit lane exit, which seemed like a particularly tricky part. He just had to pull over. Uh, the one problem, though, is that those exit roads tend to let in quite a high number of lizards.
1: Um, <laughs> That's right. We, we, had a, we had
2: another massive iguana uh, during, I think it was P1, um, which... Apparently uh, they're great ups- monitors. Oh, is that what they are? The tree. Oh, yeah. mon- okay, tree monitors, track monitors, um which uh we got some good like pit lane repeat repeat humor from some of the engineers as well which I uh, appreciated referencing the old Godzilla gags from the last one.
0: It's also a bit endearing how like the lengths the drivers will go to to avoid hitting an animal on track. You see the lizard sort of ambling across the track and you see these guys like yanking these cars in hard turns to avoid, to avoid taking out the lizard. Yeah. Fair play.
2: They got good hearts. Not just Sebastian Vettel. They're all animal lovers.
0: (laughs) I I like to think they have good hearts. I do wonder if it's also, boy, that's going to really demolish a front wing.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It might hit me in the the face. (laughs) $100,000 lizard. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Nobody, yeah, imagine, what a, imagine what a Nuss did to poor Felipe Massa. Can you imagine a Oof. monitor lizard to the face? No thanks. <laughs> you yeah. picking bits of blizzard out of your teeth for weeks.
1: Uh, lap 53 is when Russell, on his new medium tires, catches the rear gunner of Charles Leclerc. And while he has to bide his time uh, and pass with a cutback, Russell is looking very strong, and we've still got nine laps to go. Mm. Uh, Hamilton gets by Leclerc on the next lap. And then yes. lap... 58 is the moment that I, and I think a lot of viewers, got a glimpse of Carlos Sainz's true ability as an F1 driver. Uh, A few laps prior, he had told his team that he wanted to be told of the gap to Norris behind him every lap, at which uh, at that point was a couple of seconds or so. And on lap 58, Sainz engineer radios to say, perhaps a little frantically, Lando, 0.8 seconds behind with DRS, to which Sainz replies, yeah, it's on purpose, which is some real it's I awesome. love you. I know business. This, I, and also, yeah,
2: this, oh, God. Hey,
1: leave strategy
0: to me. I've Yeah-huh. got this one. Uh, and which is, is a fair, is, is fair, right? Because, like, I can understand why Sines was keeping his own counsel on this because it's like, who do you trust to, to call this race? But I do like that he, the team didn't know why, why he wanted that info and we're just feeding it to him as if he's worried about, about Lando and really. Mm-hmm he is making sure that he has a wall between him and him and the charging uh, Mercedes. It's so right. good.
2: It's so good. Just to protect... And and what I love about it is that Lando also seemed... I mean, I don't know how much more he could have pushed to McLaren, but Lando also seemed to get the assignment. And it makes sense because, like, Russell and Hamilton have gobbled up all of this time. Their time, tires are in... Like, he's not... He's they're desperately both worried about both Mercedes like they are. And so it's not a case of like it is it is much more of a threat than, you know, the than the anything else. So it it makes complete sense. But it's just it was it was it was like something out of an it was like an initial D moment. It It was like it really was.
0: (laughs) And the, and, uh, uh, the besties. It's one of the few- this is Lando's favorite teammate. The only one he appears to have not hated in F <laughs> yeah, one, secretly yeah. been like sticking pins into a doll uh, effigy <laughs> of. Uh, but I, I will say, I will say this as well. Uh, so after the Leclerc, even the Leclerc overtake appeared to go hard for Russell. Like it was like Leclerc made that car very wide. Yeah, and Russell was having trouble uh, getting past him. But to me, just to my eyes watching. I saw like the laps following the Leclerc, the uh, Leclerc overtake. I was like, I think Russell's cooked. Like Mm -hmm. Hamilton was visibly faster. Yes, and to the point where
1: George, can we go faster?
0: Yeah. And it was like, man, if you want proof that Hamilton's a pretty good teammate. I think a lot of racers quite justly would have been on that radio much earlier than when Hamilton gently raised that yeah. George needs to pick up the <laughs> <Yeah>. pace. <laughs> it was clear. George had, had done in his tires and Hamilton had quite a bit left in hand and it, it you know, it's further proof that Hamilton's still really good at this. Like George yeah. is a very talented teammate and he can, he can bring it, but Hamilton's one of the great, great tire managers. Uh, in F1 history And I think that you know I, I think to an extent One of the things that you see just in terms of technique Hamilton finds his own pace As he reels in people hmm. And he doesn't just do the lead follow thing He drives his own race in a way That he's going to a- arrive In the overtake position with more Tire and pace in hand and then he's Going to do his thing And I think Russell started watching uh, He just started watching The tail end of Norris Oh. and just started like and, and you imagine how that's going to be harder on your tires because you, you're also then profoundly reactive you know you were now like everything you were doing you were pacing yourself off the car in front mm. and so I can easily imagine he's working his brakes a little harder he's working those fronts a little harder and so it's not totally surprising to me that after Leclerc he didn't have any more pace left uh, to make that challenge for the, for the lead and I think Hamilton may have Uh, But he was was stuck there, you know, being a good trooper behind George.
1: Yeah, so Russell does try to, uh, he he gets up to Norris. Um, Lap 59 is when he makes a move, sticking with him through the corner, preceding the straight that has a kink in it, and then trying to swoop around him. Norris doing just enough to place himself uh, advantageously for the upcoming corners and manages to keep Russell just behind him for, uh, another couple of laps and i'd just like to point out that we have a four-way fight for the lead yes. which is something that so rarely happens these days in formula one it's like a moto gp race yeah out there. yeah totally yeah uh, exactly. you got you got norris up there you know slowing down to give lando drs so he stays ahead of the mercedes the mercedes have better tires and they're all like this the the last like you know five laps of this were just so fantastic! And, and um,
2: nobody could have imagined how it actually would have ended. No, nobody could have imagined the oh the order and also the means by which this this right. entertaining race finishes. I'm sorry, and the broadcast was so blessed because
0: I mean, look, it, it was kind of gnarly to see, but. They were in car with Stroll when that incident happened in Q one. I feel like multiple yes. times in the race, we oddly enough have a perfect in car camera of something oh completely unexpected happening. One hundred percent. The fact that we go to the Norris tail cam, yes. facing back toward George, uh. and you see the moment where like Norris's car makes this turn. And it's a pretty routine turn. You, I, I saw no impact. Norris says he clipped the wall. See the I replay, didn't see I it. And the replay, I see it all. He, he makes the turn, done. and then you see russell flying laterally past in a shower of sparks into this corner and it's like it's
2: over the race is done we now have a podium last that's turn like that's it like was it the last tu- was it last turn was it was not the last turn it but...
1: was the
2: yeah um yeah take us through it drew
1: Well, yeah, it's it's uh, the final lap. Russell has one more opportunity to take second. And with one DRS zone to go, they round turn 12 uh, and Russell just he just doesn't turn. Um, Like you said, Danny, it's only in the replays that you see he he clips the wall on entry. There is a just a little part where the wall juts out. I think it's like for a Marshall stand, Uh, breaks his suspension and he you know, you're not turning there uh, anymore. Sparks flying noses into the barrier out of the race. And we finish like that. Carlos Sainz in first. Lando Norris second. Lewis Hamilton inherits the podium. Uh, Charles Leclerc in fourth. Max Verstappen finishes fifth. Yeah, monster. uh, Breaking uh, the, the combo of 10 wins in a row for him and 15 wins in a row for Red Bull. Pierre Gasly comes home in sixth. Oscar Piastri seventh. Wow, he made it up from 17th place. That's impressive. Uh, Sergio Perez eighth, Liam Lawson ninth, Kevin Magnuson, the final points-paying position. Uh, really had to fight for it, but, and also was lucky him on the album thing. Uh,
2: yes, he was lucky on two That's accounts. Magnussen was because yes. not only because of Al- the album situation right in front of him, but then also because of what happened to Russell. He was in twelfth.
1: That's true. Yeah. So um, with four laps to go, Alex Albin was sitting in eighth place. And then Perez just absolutely creams him. I will put a link to this uh, on w- in worst the show notes. overtake of the year. Like yeah. it was like something out of a multiplayer. Races.
0: Amateurish. Like oh, this is boy. this is your count. Something is I would do in iRacing. Band in iRacing. <laughs> yep. Yep. This is. Yeah. <laughs> This is not, this does not fly. Uh, and then I think it's right on the radio. He's like, You he just turned across me, yeah, we're on it. We're pointing to the marshal, like, come on, man. Like, just <laughs> like, who are you fooling? Just, just
1: once I want an engineer to cry. go, like...
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, I Alcon was, or Albon was livid, but somehow was able to get that car back on the track, like, and, and keep going. So at least it was that. Yeah. But he was livid. Didn't Perez also?
0: Too. Kind of get into Lawson as well at some point during this race. Like I feel like he tangled with both
2: the, uh, the Alvatoris. Um, Lawson and he's just got something out. For, he's, he's, he's all Elva Marco. He's just taking it out on all the Alvatoris. Yeah. I don't know.
1: Again, a shout out to Liam Lawson. Finished ninth, two points, third race.
2: Awesome. Fair play.
1: Yeah. Nico I was you u Nico Hoganberg 13th, Logan Sargent 14th, Fernando Alonso finishes 15th, and then we've got. The DNFS of George Russell, Valtteri Bottas, Esteban Ocon, Yuki Tsunoda, and the DNS. Yeah. For Lance Stroll, Lewis Hamilton fastest lap of the race. By the way, Perez did receive a five-second time penalty yeah. for that Alex Albon collision, but it did not impact his finishing no, position. I know
2: it seems quite unfair. Um, after the race, then Russell obviously pretty quickly doing some interviews and stuff. Um. We mentioned that Lando and Iris's rear right hit that wall, the little part where it juts out. He mentioned it in the green room. It was a great little green room bit with him and signs. Um, oh, I didn't realize that. hit. So he hit the
1: wall right before Russell did?
2: Yes, which makes it sound like Russell was sort of Locked following up. Lando a little bit too much. Yeah. Like watch using him as the as the marker for where to be. So almost in a sort of Star Wars, let's fly into the asteroid field to get these people off our back yep. situation. <laughs> Norris uh, accidentally flies a bit too close to the sun on the on the, on this wall, hits it himself. But then because he did that, and Russell was basically tailing him as he was, you know, like Rob was alluding to, um he hits it with his front right and that's why his suspension just snaps and he goes straight off so yeah. uh, he was on the radio screaming at himself for being a rookie um uh, uh it's pretty it's pretty heartbreaking uh um team radio from Russell it was i mean it wasn't a good incident like i mean i think no. you know if
0: you're if you're Russell there's there's two things you look back on uh one is that you may have had the winning tire strategy and you just couldn't execute it it's one of like there's moments where like just as the driver it's time to go get it done. Like this is this is this is how it's like. The team has delivered you in striking distance. Now it's time to execute. And he wasn't. Go, he was clearly not going to be able to do that. And then, yeah, sort of the passive way he approached the battle with Norris <laughs> literally led him to make the same error that Norris made, but fatally. Right. Um, but you know, the, the the important thing to remember is that everything is a positive for mercedes all negatives they're just lessons uh and and so we got we had a beautiful little wolf quote after the race uh what i said to russell is i'd rather have this happening now and the learning and the learning is there than when we race for victory or for a championship that's going to be engraved in him
2: this mistake oh god that's spoken Man, like if- a true manager that's wolf yeah. sees
0: something akin to enemy building and he's just like you know licking his chops <laughs> he's like maybe what george needs is a framed photo of this incident of the, like in the his wall. office <laughs> yeah
2: to motivate him yeah can, I, can we also i know we'll probably maybe it'll come up again secret hero of this race charlotte claire like this guy i think there is like i know he's like you know he wants to be ferrari's number one he was a fantastic support driver this entire mm-hmm. weekend, and without him, without him sacrificing, like you said, in the pit lane, defending like a lion at the end of the race, um, and 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 also sacrificing his 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 uh his race strategy by putting the softs on at the, at the top of it, like yeah. he did a great job. And also, I thought that soft after strategy
0: was going to be a catastrophe. Like I yeah. really did when I saw he was on he was on softs, I was like. Nope, that's not going to work. And he managed to sort of stay in there. Yeah, I mean, it was a well-timed safety car that ultimately didn't go his way. Yeah. But uh, yeah. yeah, like he he kept the, kept those tires alive. Uh, and then you know, despite the fact his his shot at the podium was done.
2: Yeah, that that defense against the the Mercs was was something. I I dare say it. I'm not saying the fr- that strategy won them the race. It's obviously, Science did an awesome job. But Ferrari did great. Strategy wise, they had it dialed in this week and they seemed to make the right calls at the right time as well.
1: Ferrari know. strategy plus Carlos signs strategy. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, well, yeah. fair clear, Yeah. Fair listen, clear. I think a few weeks ago, we we're, I think we were joking about like a lot of the, Car- there's a Carlos army in in, in our inbox. <laughs> yeah. And there's people who are like, I don't and know why everyone right. talks about Leclerc. Uh, like Carlos is every bit as talented. And boy, I'll tell you, the Carlos folks are like, there's a lot of signs point of this the season that like, yeah, this this guy has
2: number one material written all over him. That's yeah. good. Now I want to like a M. Night Shyamalan box cover of signs with just him. <laughs> it says swing away, Charles.
1: Uh, all right. Well, that is it for the <laughs> race recap. We're going to take a break and we'll be back with the news. All right. Not a lot of news going on here. No. We got so much with the post-race <laughs> of, of Singapore, but did want to uh, shout out a couple things here. One, Alfa Romeo has opted to retain Valtteri Bottas and Zhou Guan Yu for 2024. Mm. So congrats to those boys. Grats, uh, grats, grats. And then we have a, uh, a f- follow-up here, Danny. Yeah, just a little. helmet, Marco. Just
2: a little a little, a little follow up racist. on everyone's on everyone's favorite grumpy grandpa. Helma Marco. Big triple L last week, Rob, when it came to sort of being racist and also not really understanding oh, I, oh, I geography this. the geography the level to this the history of the of grumpy victories. Um so I only mentioned this because it ended up in- turning into an interesting war of words, uh, war of words with Christian Horner, because uh, basically the FIA said that they had um, submitted a written warning to Helmut Marko um, over the. Uh, quote he said about uh, Sergio Perez we can confirm that Helmut Marko has received a written warning and has been reminded of his responsibilities as a public figure in motor sport in line with the FIA code of ethics. Um, When Christian Horner was prompted on Sky Sports about why they didn't put out a statement about what Marco had said, um, he said that uh, it wasn't an issue because Marco is not an employee of Red Bull Racing, which confused a lot of people. They were like is he just is he just hanging? Is he a plus one? Like, Where'd he, he get the shirt? <laughs> yeah, he's always he's you know whatever the journalists know that when they ask him questions. Um so <laughs> did he have to sign an NDA or something. No, like, he's, he just keeps turning up. He's just like it's he's, he's not even a doctor. He's following just like, me home. <laughs> we don't know what this guy's dealing with. So apparently, uh, this was just like some real word-solid nonsense from Horner. He's a special advisor for Red Bull GmbH, the parent company of Red Bull Racing. So he's technically uh-huh. not an employee of Red Bull Racing. Honestly, the thing that this brought to mind to me was, is that okay with the cost cap? Are you allowed to have this guy around mm. and have him be paid by the parent company if he's doing media stuff? and? Yeah, this out? would
0: be like sending Capone to jail on tax fraud. But <laughs> I actually would love it if the FAA did like sort of retroactively go back and like, so wait then why is this guy part of the program and why is he at every race uh what's what's he doing uh and and the answer really is like not much he doesn't now contribute that much these days he was inner circle with Dietrich Modeschitz for for years and was sort of the liaison between the highest levels of Red Bull and their entire racing program uh
1: to hear them say it he basically runs their driver program but right who knows how true that is
2: it doesn't yeah, get I mean, many like, drivers from South America. Though.
0: Well, and and so this this is the thing, right? Like the, it, the, the program has really worked for people who got through it. And then there's a lot of drivers who've talked about how scarring uh working through Red Bull is. Hmm. Uh like the thing that the thing that was so depressing about this is I fully sympathize with the position check goes in here. Like yeah. he needs like what do you do? Burn down your career? uh you know this is this is your ride this is your job what are you gonna do pick a fight with this guy who still clearly has juice at the at the company uh so i understand why he was like keen to move on from it at the same time it's like it is embarrassing that you have to be the bigger the bigger man in this situation and be like no i understand like it's you know it's fine the incident is closed it's a big misunderstanding it's like yeah, it is a misunderstanding because Helen Marco didn't know who to be uh racist against. He didn't know who to be bigoted against. Uh because he has an incredibly parochial worldview and apparently buys into every stereotype about Latins of any stripe. Right. And like I've been in those shoes where it's like someone just like like it, it is a, a shockingly common occurrence for me. How often someone's like, "You know what? I think I'm in safe company here." Let me tell you this fun joke about refried beans and Mexicans that oh, I've really? been work, work working on. And like, it ha- it's it's shocking how often it happens. And you're always left in this position of like, "Do I have to? Do I have to bring everything to screeching halt now and like hmm. deal with this person? Because <laughs> like, it's we're we're in the middle we're we're in the middle of doing other stuff." Uh so I I under like I really sympathize for the position Checo is in. Um I I certainly would have liked to see him just tee off on the bastard. But the other <laughs> thing is this, it really is on Red Bull to deal with this. Like Checo shouldn't like an, empl- an employee 100%. affected by this shit where it, yeah. that's clear. Like this is what the guy at the top of the program thinks. Which is that, well, you know he's just not as good because you know how South American drivers are. Also, I don't know where my drivers are. Or, or really, <laughs> we know Mexicans aren't real North Americans, right? That's not yeah, what yeah, we're talking the, about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it shouldn't be on Checo to fix that. But when that happens, the organization does need to be able to say, like, get gone like I'm sure he's made valuable contributions to the program
2: he's been there since but, its inception sometimes your time is up and that that's something that I'm now starting to either question and I'm not that this could be an element of also you know Helmut Marco's getting on a bit here so maybe maybe there's a world in, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt in that maybe there's a world in which he was better at his job in the past I don't know but what it does call into question a little bit. It kind of reminds me of that Moneyball scene where it's all the old guys saying, oh, you can't pick that guy. You know, all the scouts going like, oh, you can't pick that guy because he's got an ugly girlfriend. You know what I mean? He's got, what does an ugly girlfriend mean? Low confidence. Like, is this guy really, like one of the things we, we have said about Red Bull over the past, and I think you could continue to do this over the past 15 years or whatever, is that one of the ways in which they have done a bad job is in managing their drivers, in imagining the sort of the broader, um you know, this bank of drivers they have, and then also in, you know, wh- whether it be the Helmut Marco finishing school at Alpha Tower or, uh, you know, teammates at Red Bull, like they've probably had more trouble than any of the other teams. Like Mercedes had Ros- rosberg Hamilton, but in general, in a modern era, I haven't seen that many really bad teammate pairings or, or ways in which, you know, uh, operations have shot themselves in the foot. I am now starting to wonder a little bit, is, is, is he kind of part of the reason why they've had that problem for a long time? Like, you know, not to, not to do a sort of causation, causality thing here, but, like, it is starting to make me wonder, like, maybe he's not Maybe, like, his, you know, proximity to Dietrich Mateschitz and, like, all that sort of stuff, like, served him. But, like, maybe he, need, maybe he needs to fuck off. Like, maybe well, they need to get somebody in who can do the job properly. Let me tell you. Proximity to Dietrich Mateschitz is
0: why a lot of people were important at Red Bull. Like and I knew this even at my level of the organization. Oh, really? Yeah. Where it was like you knew you knew who the people were. There was a clique of people who had Dietrich's ear. And no matter how, like no matter what level of dipshit you were dealing with, you had to walk <laughs> on eggshells around them because right. they were not inner circle and they were having the meetings you you never knew anything about. Uh, and, and so like Helmet was in that tier. And I suspect, at, like, because I'm with you. If you look at, like, why is Red Bull so successful? Really, like, Modischitz wanted to invest in F1. And he was also part of these decisions to be like, we're going to drop everything. We're going to get Horner. We're going to get Newey. And mm-hmm. then and then, uh, Helmet, in consultation with Dietrich, I think made the tossed higher. Okay. But I don't think... Sometimes Helmut is treated like he's the architect of this. And I think that is speculative because I think Mateschitz was like part of a lot of the decisions. And Marco was advising him through a lot of this. But then once that core leadership of like Horner, Nui, and Tost were in place, I don't know that Marco really had an operational role where he was going to contribute anything except to make the vibes weird. And if you listen to right. an interview that Albin gave. Years ago, he went in kind of knowing that they didn't want him in part because of things that Marco had said, which sounded eerily like what you're talking about the Moneyball stuff, where he basically gives Albin the your girlfriend's ugly speech, but like about confidence, like you don't have the you don't have the mien of 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 a Red Bull driver. So, yeah, I think the guys I I think the guy has created more headwind on the team, at least certainly in recent years than he has uh, contributed to forward momentum. But, but either way, it's, like, in a functional organization that gives any kind of shit about stuff like this, this is a disqualifying thing where it's, like, this person's suspended or they're on hiatus. Because, like, he's talking about one of the two most impo- important employees of the racing team, right? Like, he's, you, you can't do this. Even setting aside the, the, the morality of, like, saying shit like this. You just can't do it. But at Red Bull, you can. And it's embarrassing the degree to which Checo was left on his own for this. Uh, The team sort of brushing past it.
1: Like, because the, going back to like the baseball analogy, if you have, like the manager or the, the, you know, comes out of the dugout and screams at the referee, the umpire, even though, um, even if he knows that the ump is right because he's defending his player
2: yeah yeah yeah, totally i don't
1: see that happening from christian horner no uh you know okay yes marco is part of the red bull organization so maybe that's weird but like you know in this article danny that you that you linked to from from autosport he says um, horner does firstly those comments weren't right uh helmet quickly recognized that and apologized for that both publicly and directly to sergio I want a little more than that, I think. Yeah, and he he has... the head of the team.
2: And he has, like, defended... You know, we were talking a couple months ago about how he was saying... He was, like, he was... Helping out Chaco in the public, in the public opinion, right? Uh, but I do think I, I, wonder—is it just because like Marco is such a, a weird dude? <laughs> like, like Horner also doesn't want to say anything that's, yeah, that's like going to cause any more trouble. Like just like oh, like we know he's our he's our crazy old grandpa, and we just have to like put up with his weirdness and his racism and that 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 that. I don't know. Like, and
0: listen, I'm also going to say like Max doesn't do himself any credit in this. You're a you know, three-time world champion at this point, effectively. Uh, You know, you're a big boy now, and this is your teammate, and this is, like, this is drama being caused in your house, and you are, like, one of the heads of that household now. And for him to also take the party line of, like... like, Game of Thrones. (laughs) We just kind of move on from it, and, you know, it wasn't right, but I'm just going to keep my head down. And, like, to be fair, this is his approach to everything like this yeah. that happens around him like he just keeps his head down and doesn't want any part of that whatsoever um but i think there are multiple people who should have probably stepped up because you have to recognize that sergio can't sergio is in a position where he cannot yep. say yeah. what he is probably entitled to and should and so someone else who has juice in the conversation and leverage has to be able to do that and by the way dietrich's dead so Marco right, yeah. is no, like he's, he doesn't have a shield anymore. Uh, so I don't know why you're letting this guy drag the organization down around you. Um, I think it's embarrassing that probably the most supportive comments uh, given for Sergio here came from like Hamilton. Uh, like time, like, and you do expect that from Hamilton and you'd always say cynically that Mercedes and Hamilton always love to stick little daggers in Red Bull when they get the chance. But I do think it was a fair point. Like it was, yeah. it, it sucked the degree to which Sergio was just like, out on a limb there, uh, dealing with the fact that Marco is a clueless
2: dumbass.
1: Well, let's move on from that and talk about something fun, like Suzuka, Danny.
2: Suzuka. What a beautiful track. It's uh, almost as old as I am. 1987, we have enjoyed Suzuka. Um, It was built. um, I'm remembering this correctly. I should have written this down, but I'm pretty sure I knew it from before that it was Honda. Honda. Built this right? I'm pretty sure it was. Okay. They had a Dutchman called yes, you're John. Right. It was. Thank you. Yes, they got a, a Dutchman called John Hogenholtz to uh, draw up the designs. The original design didn't have the one crossover we enjoy today. It had three.
1: Oh my god! I didn't which, know I had And a loop de loop. <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> Never right? forget what they took from us. Totally. We weren't prepared for hugenholtz's world. Um, It's 53 laps long, 5.8 kilometers, 3.6 miles. This is a fast circuit, and it needs to be. They go uphill for a chunk of it, and then they come downhill, and there's a crossover. It's just a wild-ass track. There's 18 turns. There's every type of weird... Like, there are turns on Suzuka that just don't exist anywhere in F1. <laughs> like, 130R, obviously, being this crazy high-speed turn in the middle of Sector 3, uh, the Degnas at the start of Sector 2 that are just these oddball, like just, they're 90 degree turns, but they feel very different to any other ones you've
1: ever been at. Um, yeah, turn, turns 2 through 7 are like, they're wiggly, but they get wigglier as they go on. And it's uphill. You know what I so,
2: mean? So it just feels like you're, it's just it just like you've you've more grip because you're going uphill as well, mm. so you can take them a little faster. Yeah. Um, then you have the the beautiful at the end. You know you've got the 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 Ferris wheel and, and all that sort of stuff. Suzuka is just a great a track for a bunch of different reasons. There's loads of those spoon curve, like the weirdness of the double apex. I guess it is technically two turns, thir- uh, two turns, uh, thirteen and fourteen, which just has the world's biggest runoff area up there. Um, uh, it's wide uh, in parts, uh, probably a good thing because sometimes they just like to have support vehicles drive in the opposite direction in the rain. Mm. So that's really important. Um, and to that point, like like Red Bull should do well here. It's a high speed track. Um, you know, there's, there's some fast turns, but it's it's mostly going to benefit straight line speed here. Um, and while there is only one DRS zone because of the weirdness of how this track is built, um, and I guess also because of 130R, they, they, they're going fast enough before they turn left there, I think is the general sort of uh, consensus there. Um, but uh, aside from that, it also is one that can throw up some interesting uh, weather situations as we've seen in recent years.
1: Uh, Yes, indeed. Um, Let's see here. For qualifying day, we've got a, uh, looks like 89 degrees. Mm. That's quite warm, partly cloudy, uh, with a 40% chance of rain. Oh, Lord. Yes. Um, And on race day, uh, a little cooler uh, and a little lower chance of rain. So we're looking Mm. at 85 and uh two percent on sunday
2: that's quite a lot lower yeah than 40
1: damn it quite quite a lot mm. uh but let's uh run down the driver standings as we head into the japanese round verstappen is on top with 374 points sergio perez his teammate in second place with 223 a uh, little further back is lewis hamilton with 180 points fernando mm. alonso still in fourth place with 170 uh, carlos Sainz in 5th with 142 points. Mm. Uh, he loves those fives. Uh, Leclerc up. is in 6th with 123. George Russell in 7th with 109. Norris, 8th with 97. Stroll, ninth with uh, 47. And Gasly in 10th with 45. Behind him, we have Piastri with 42. Ocon with 36. Albon with 21 points. Hulkenberg with 9. Botas in 15th with 6 points uh joe has four sunoda and magnuson both have three points lawson has two and then sergeant (laughs) devries and ricardo uh who inhabited that other car or devries and ricardo did rather uh they all have zero points in constructor standings red bull racing is on top with 597 points mercedes is in second with 289 uh ferrari's in third with 265 that is becoming a close battle aston martin is in fourth with 217 mclaren's in fifth with 139 then we've got alpine in sixth with 81 williams in seventh with 21 gene haas and team have 12 points now in eighth place in ninth place is alfa romeo with 10 and alfa taury in 10th with five if you would like to join the rankings yourself, you can do so in our fantasy league using the link in the show notes from Singapore. We have the top three podium of in third place, papaya pals in second place, <laughs> place Josh's team one. And in first place, poly 23 B. Whoa. That's an AI team. Never heard is. one, uh, but overall the standings look like this in third place. Time to call underscore gene. Uh, second place, Horner to the max, <laughs> and number one, paying the stroll toll.
2: Nice. Uh, speaking of Horner to the max, uh, I believe Jerry Halliwell is doing a book signing in my local bookstore in huh. a couple of weeks' time, and it's a, I was like, I bet it's close to when Austin is happening, and ah. it kind of is. Uh-huh. So I was like, should I go down? And see if Christian is hanging out in downtown Petaluma. (laughs) Take a a recorder. recorder. Yeah, just go down and say hi. Just yeah, um, Petaluma F one news here. um, Shift F one's Petaluma (laughs) reporter. I was like, yeah. I was like, all right. She's doing like a kid. She has a kids' book, I think she wrote or something. Okay. Um, She's doing a little tour, so there you go. Might spice up my life and head down there. You know.
1: Wow. Uh, yeah. If you'd like to spice up our inbox, you can send emails to shiftf1podcast.gmail.com or f onecool slash emails. You can also hit us up on the socials. Uh, that is us around the internet, though. Do Would you like to take it around the world, Danny?
2: Let's race around the
1: world. Yeah. MotoGP GP is at the Burr. Boo. The Burr. Burr. But that's it. The Burr. 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 International circuit. B-U-D-D-H. Burr. In Udhar, Uttar Pradesh in India. Buddha. Oh, I heard about this. Some teams and drivers, riders, uh, <laughs> are unable to attend due to visa issues.
2: Oh, crazy.
1: Yeah, haven't had Drive that happen in a while. riders, that's wild. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. Sort
1: of uh, the World Superbike Championship. <laughs> Championship Champion chin. <laughs> yep, Jay Leno is there. Uh, they're in <laughs> Terrell, Spain for the... Aragon. Oh, around. yeah. Beautiful. Middle Earth's best race. We love that yeah, one. It's great this time of year. Yeah. Uh, DTM is at the Red Bull Ring. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, in Spielberg, Austria. <laughs> uh, the NASCAR Xfinity Series is at the Texas Motor Speedway in Fort Worth, TX for Andy's Frozen Custard 300.
2: Oh, beautiful. That's a great one. I, I hope they're handing out Frozen Custard. They were handing out Idaho mashed potato at PAX. And it was rank. It was just like these little microwave mashed potato things that have like mashed potato and cheese in them. Not cool. Mm. I'll take the custard any day.
1: We also got Nescair. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Also in Tejas. We're going to get some of that custard. Probably. And then we're going to get a car from Auto Trader Echo Park Automotive 400. Terrific. We love that album. That's it. It's all like Echo Park. Isn't that a...
2: What, what band is that again? I forget. Echo Park.
1: I don't know. I'm going to look it up now. I don't know what you're talking about. Echo Formula Park, One, maybe you've heard of it. The Japanese Grand Prix. The Lenovo Japanese Grand Prix, apparently. Uh, this weekend is Feeder. happening at the Suzuka.
2: <laughs> A British band you may not know. <laughs> Feeder. I don't okay. think they broke the states, but they were pretty great.
1: The Suzuka Circuit is located in Ino, Suzuka <laughs> City. Ooh. Mie Prefecture. Ah, beautiful. Lovely Mie. Yeah. Uh, and watch out for the times because they're weird this weekend. Uh, Thursday, September 21st at oh four, boy. I'm sorry, 10 30 PM Eastern time on ESPN two is free practice one followed by, uh, Friday, September 22nd at 2 AM is the, on ESPN two is free practice two, hmm. uh, free practice three Friday, September 22nd at ten thirty PM on ESPN u followed by qualifying, uh, later the following morning saturday september 23rd at 2 a.m on espn2 and the race everyone sunday september 24th at 1 a.m eastern time on espn2 the deuce boy oh boy boy oh boy look at that runtime danny do you want to take us through this day in history
2: i do september 20th in history jackie ix has won the canadian grand prix twice on this day both Mm. times leading home a one-two for his team the first was in 1969 when racing for Brabham, ix qualified in pole position and dueled with jackie stewart for the lead until they collided and stewart was unable to get going again ix won the race with jack brabham second The leaders all lapped the hopeless local driver, Al Peace, at least four times before the marshals had had enough and black flagged him. He remains the only driver in F1 history to be pulled out of a race for being too slow. Uh, The following year, Ix won the race again, this time leading home Clay Regazzoni for a Ferrari 1-2. Al Peace did not take part. (laughs)
1: Poor (laughs) Al. Al. Where's the documentary about Al?
2: Ah, oh, I know. Yeah, too slow. I'd be too slow if I tried it. I'd be Oh, uh, yeah.
1: myself. No chance. Absolutely Especially
2: no chance. Especially back then
1: in the in the Jackie X days. When what year? Do you have a year on those?
2: Uh sixty nine and seventy. Those okay. were
1: okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That is. Uh, yeah,
2: <laughs> he might have lived a very healthy long life. Maybe. Well, I hope. I hope. Maybe,
1: maybe for the best. Yeah. Um. All right. Well. Uh, final thoughts, Danny, ahead of Japan. Uh,
2: my final thoughts are that we might get some movement on Alpha Tauri by the time this podcast is oh. put up. I um, think so. There are some rumblings that, cause I mean, there also would be because it's, it's a new cycle and, and you know what, what's going to happen, but you know, they have Lawson, Sonoda and Ricardo for those two seats. Lawson has thrown a spanner in the works as it were uh, by doing quite well. Um, I I kind of had assumed that the, the general desire on the Alfatari side was probably to get Ricardo in the car, have him get a couple of decent um races in, and then to set him up for the postseason leading into next year to be able to work with the car and and do well. Um I if I was a betting man, I would say Lawson's gonna be the one that loses out on this. Um but I I I, I wouldn't be surprised if we heard soon. Either way, it kind of feels like they need to make that call soon because what's going to happen is I don't think Ricardo is driving Suzuka, um, but whatever happens, if he's there and he has been there, uh, he was there last weekend, not in Suzuka, he was <laughs> at the Singapore Grand Prix. All that's going to happen is more and more questions, um, especially if Lawson keeps doing well. So yeah, yeah I'm wouldn't. i I'm just thinking about that at the moment. I wouldn't be surprised if after we've recorded this and before the race that maybe we hear some some action on that. I'd be interested to hear it.
1: All right. Yeah, me too. Uh, Rob, final thoughts before Japan.
2: The Australian cork
0: hat has ten corks that are designed to swing and keep the flies at bay, while also yes! keeping your head cool with four ventilation holes positioned around the hat. The iconic kangaroo road sign emblem is feet. Okay, well, this is probably this is Aust- this is from AustraliaTheGift dot com uh, oh. dot au. But the cork hat is a thing. If you type ha. Huh, It auto-completes to Cork Hat Australia. (laughs) So this is not a Danny hallucination. Oh, Uh, thank God. This is someone had the idea of you put a little hat with tons of little things that act like little tails that will swat flies away. That's what it is. That's genius.
2: Have you you guys never seen this before?
0: You know, I might have just, like, tuned it out. You know how sometimes if something just doesn't fit, like, I don't know how to process that. You just don't see it. (laughs) I was like, no, they just wear like uh, bush hats, like bucket bucket hat type things. Yeah,
2: yeah. I guess I was probably exposed to more Australian themed media, or maybe just Australian related racism. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Growing up in Ireland and having like being exposed to a lot of BBC. Like, did you guys watch Around the Twist at all growing up? Don't no. know what that yeah, is. Yes, it's like yeah, it's an it's an it's an Australian like kids TV show which was also broadcast in the UK or like Home and Away and Neighbours. You guys wouldn't have ever watched that stuff, right? Whereas yeah. like my sister would yeah, that was that was on every day. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe I was just exposed but I do to remember, more of the rich culture of Australia.
0: I do remember Crocodile Dundee walking right. across the heads of New Yorkers in the subway to get to the woman he loved. <laughs> and it was like you know there's lessons this humble man from the outback has to teach all right. of us exactly
1: it's true
2: play knifey spoonie
1: well uh, if you'd like to support the show and get access to all of our bonus episodes uh, the ad free version of the podcast and the official shift f1 discord you can do so over at patreon.com slash shift f1 have a good race weekend everyone we will see you all next week <laughs>